We're continuing in our series about what is next. Uh, this is the time between the resurrection and the time before the uh, Holy Spirit comes and Pentecost. In our liturgical calendar, um, that is the 23rd of May. And so we're looking at some stories that have taken place uh, between that time. Because these are two very important things, the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we have talked about before, uh, there are two things that, that make the difference in discipleship. The, the disciples of the Gospels that were trying their best and believed but just didn't understand and were fumbling around with it, and the bold action and, and proclamation of the Gospel in Acts by these same disciples, the two things that, that made them turn the corner that brought that transformation was faith because they experienced the resurrected Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at some stories that have um, happened between those two major events. So would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Dear Lord, I pray that you'd guide the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth, that each one that is gathered here and viewing online would receive the message that you have for us here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we have two texts this morning. One we might be real familiar with, the other not as much. Uh, the first one is, the, and both of them are, are commissions from the Lord, right? For the first one, as Methodists, we should know this one well. It is Matthew 28, 16 uh, through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the second is the commission that comes out of Luke. Again, this is from Jesus, but this is Luke's great commission, if you will, beginning in verse uh, 44 of chapter 24. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. This is the word of God for the people of God. So as I said, as Methodists, uh, we are familiar with definitely Matthew 28 and, God, and Jesus' commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But we're not as familiar with the commission from Luke's gospel that says that we are to be his witnesses, the witnesses to the resurrected Lord that he was going to uh, be tortured and be raised on the third day, and that preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins 
is going to be the primary focus. And I want us to kind of just put that in the back of our mind. And if we look at these two commissions, one is to make disciples, one is to be witnesses to the death and resurrection of Christ and, and repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And just some clarity about what it is to be a witness. Sometimes, especially that, uh, that scares us a little bit, right? I don't want to be a witness. And, and we put all these connotations on it that it's negative and we don't want to be pushy. And, and how do we do that? I don't know enough. But the reality is witnessing is very easy. Witnessing just says, this is how I experienced the resurrected Christ. Just tell them your experience. Tell them what you saw. Tell them what you experienced. That's it. So being reflective on how Christ has made a difference in my life, how Christ makes a difference in, in my life, is part of being a Christian. Well, and if we're not doing that, then we're missing out on something. To be able to answer the question, and I'll just leave this with you, how does Christ make a difference in your life? If, if you can't answer that readily, then you need to examine um, how Christ makes a difference in our lives. And then to make disciples. We are called to go out and to make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My question, and this might be a little toe-stepping bit of a sermon, but understand, it's not me. It's not me. Uh, when I ask you some questions, some assessment stuff, I, I have nothing to do with it. I'm not going to say this is between you and God. All right? So if there's some toe stepping, it's not me. But how, especially when we come out of this pandemic and we have dealt with this crisis and this struggles and we've all had different struggles, different concerns, but it's been a tough year. And as we emerge out of it, we need to ask ourselves, I thought this would be a good opportunity to say, how are we doing at making disciples? And how has this year, what has this re year revealed about us collectively as a church, as a denomination, maybe church universal? What has it revealed about us as a church, local? What has it revealed about me, about us individually? This is a time. Every now and then we have to do a little reflecting. And I thought this would be a good time. I, one of the reasons I thought this, I saw a present, presentation this week online that was from uh, uh, theology professor at Emory. He used to be at Duke. He has written a book about class meetings, life groups, early class meetings, Kevin Watson. And he talked about some of the stuff that, that was revealed about the church, both collectively and individually, um, out of this pandemic, out of this last year. And we're not going to address all these issues today. But I just thought it was interesting as what the Lord was laying on my heart to preach about these commissions and what he said in his presentations. A few of the collective revelations, corporate revelations that he put forth that we saw this last year, um, by his conclusions, talking to several different pastors over the years, is that what has been revealed in the body as a whole is that there is a lack of deep theological understanding of Holy Communion within the body. 
a lack of theological understanding of the meaning of the incarnation. A lack of theological understanding of the meaning, purpose, and importance of corporate worship. Questions around the average Christian's belief in the resurrection and eternity. All of these were things that came out. I was like, wow, that's not sounding real good. Yeah? But we need to think about it. We need to look at it. And to be honest, because it is the truth that sets us free, it is the truth that convicts, that makes, that molds, that shapes. And I'll tell you, you know, truth is not a high commodity these days. It's tough. You can find your own truth out there to justify anything you want to justify or any position you want to hold. You can find it. I was visiting with Garrett this morning, and we were just talking about it just... It's almost, we went from very little communication truth to almost too much truth. Just, you want to find a truth to uh, something out there to support, you can find it. It's almost just flooded so that there is no truth. So, that's another sermon. But, but what I'm saying is, let us be a people of truth. Understand, truth, even if it's a hard truth, will heal you. Will will set you back on the, the path. I, I love it when somebody comes to me after church and says, boy, you stepped on my toes today, Pastor. Because they're, they know they needed to be stepped on. And that because they were stepped on, it's going to help them to do better and to get closer to God. So we should never run from it. Even the hard truth is going to help us. And so, and again, this I'm not judging. I don't know. But I want you to reflect on these things. And we're not going to talk about all of these. But the primary one I want to talk about, since our text dealt with discipleship and witnessing, is the individual revelation that he shared. There was a couple, but there was a lot of corporate ones with our lack of theological understanding by his assessment. But there was also a, a, a few individual revelations, he said. And, and the one primary one I want to focus on this morning deals with discipleship. He said the primary individual re revelation was that our inability to feed ourselves. Now, that's not... Physically, that's not with food. I think in the pandemic, some of us figured out new ways to feed ourselves, right? Um, so we did that pretty well. But he said the, the inability to feed ourselves spiritually. He said he heard from a lot of pastors that one of the big problems revealed through this pandemic was people did not know how to keep their faith journey going when left to themselves. In other words... There was an inability to sustain a faith formation at the household level. Now, I don't know if that's true or if it's not true. It's for you to ask yourselves. It's for you to examine your family, your household. If our, de if our denominational mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world, how are we doing? 
Well, that individual revelation, if true, would say not very well. And there's other evidence that maybe says we're not, that, that would support that conclusion. How can we transform the world as Methodists, making disciples, as baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? How can we transform the world if we can't even sustain ourselves in our own households? How can we do that for the world, for the community? There's an old saying many of you are familiar with. If you give a man to fish, you will feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you will feed him for a lifetime. The conclusion that he gave was that a lot of churches are giving people fish. Giving them little morsels when they come in for a study or come for worship, but they're, they're not teaching them. We're not equipping them to fish, to feed themselves spiritually. So what about us? What about you? I don't know. Remember, this isn't me. I'm just asking open questions, right? Open questions. This is between you and God. I'm this, just the facilitator. How have you done? I thought it might be a good idea to take a little spiritual, a little discipleship assessment with the aspects of discipleship, or if you remember, that we talked about um, at the beginning of the year. Uh, you might want to, do you have that slide? I've been talking with Jeff and Keith, and we've kind of been playing with this idea of, oh, okay, I couldn't see it over there. So if you remember, those were the areas that we talked about, right, as far as discipleship the means of grace, that you live in those means of grace, and, at the, and they're centered around the two aspects that make disciples disciples, faith in the resurrected Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We do these things, we practice these things in our lives on the basis of those two things. God does tremendous work in our lives. He transforms us, he sanctifies us. It's not us, but it's God. Okay, so kind of just keep that in your, the back of your minds as we go through this assessment. So just understand, this, this last year has been a crisis. It's been a pandemic. It's been, some people, it's been hardship financially, some people mentally, some people spiritually, often all of these, right? And, and still people are dealing with it. Uh, I visited with somebody this last week, said, yeah, we're just kind of stuck in our house. We know it's time to come out, we know, but... We just kind of got, as I said a few weeks ago, institutionalized to what's going on. I mean, they just full out admit it. I know that's going on. People share that with me all the time. And so it's been a hard year, but understand that when crises come in our lives, when issues come into our lives, difficult times, it's like this wedge, this door wedge that when it comes into our lives, it's going to do one or two things. It's either going to push us closer to God, if we're on that side, or it's going to push us further from God. And the thing about the wedge, the deeper it, it comes into our lives, the greater the closeness or the greater the distance it creates. And so we have to be careful when those times come, what is it doing to us in our relationship with Christ? So 
All right, here's the assessment. You can write them down. You can do whatever you want. You can get pen, pencil, paper. You can think about them. But just reflect over this last year. Your scripture reading. How often do you or did you read scripture over this last year? And these all have follow-ups. Did it increase or did it decrease? How often are you in the scripture? Now, understand that all of these optimally are every day that we should be doing these things. So how often did you read scripture? How often do you read scripture? Did it increase or does it increase in times of crisis and struggle or does it decrease because you got so much stuff to take care of? How often do you pray? Do you pray regularly? Do you pray as a medicinal? Or do you pray as preventative? And that means I pray all the time. I pray in good times. I pray in bad times. I give God thanks. I seek God's comfort. So that you're constantly talking. Or are we like the Israelites? Or are we like the people of the Old Testament? But boy, we come to God when things are, are tough. Right? When things are struggling, when we need some help, we'll go talk to God. But it's kind of like my daughter who's at Texas Tech. When she needs, when she calls me, I, my first thought is, oh, it's Morgan. Second thought is, she needs money. <laughs> right? So you know about that. But it's still good to talk to her. Or, do, do, again, this is human nature. Do things get so hard and the crisis is so big and you got so much to do, you just don't have time to pray? How often do you worship God? And I'm not just talking about in worship. Do you thank God in the times of plenty, the times of good, the good days where things went smooth? Do you think, thank you, God, for a good day. Or often our human nature says, oh, that's how it's supposed to be all the time. The bad days are, are just unusual. We should be worshiping. How often do you attend corporate worship? There is no, there is no substitute for corporate worship. For being in the body of Christ. For being in community. No matter how much we think there could be, it is not the same. I'll tell you it's not the same. I've been preaching from the get-go into empty crowds, half crowds, little crowds. You name it, I've preached into it. And being in the body of Christ, there's no substitute. How have you served God? Now, I know this has, cut, has been cut down quite a bit in our possibilities, but it didn't mean that we couldn't serve God. So how are you doing at serving God? Do you serve God? If you're in a life group or some type of class meeting or fourth day group, how did it hold up over time? Did it strengthen you? Did it draw you together? Or did it kind of fall apart? Did it say, these people, I need these people but these people might need me also. 
How often do you examine your actions? And this is where I'm going to focus a little bit today. How often do you examine your actions? How often do you repent of your selfishness, your hurtfulness, your harmfulness, of your humanness? And the reason I want to, want to reflect on that one, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But think about these things. Because I've never had one person ever come to me and say, Pastor Jim, I have just been feeling really distant from the Lord. And I've been feeling sad. I've been feeling depressed. And then I, I always give this kind of informal assessment. I don't say, okay, now we're going to take an assessment. Just in our conversation, I kind of flush out. How, how are you doing on your scripture reading? Oh, I haven't been, had time. How are you doing on your prayer? Well, you know, here and there. Yeah, you know, you get it. I go down the list. I never had anyone saying, I am doing all these things every day to the fullest of my ability, but yet I still feel distant from God. Never happened. And what has happened a lot, I start going down this list, and some people know me, and they catch on and go, okay, I see. I got, I got it. I got to get back to it. I got to scooch over. Because remember, that's kind of become an inside joke. When we feel distance from God, God didn't move. We scooched over. We forgot. So, in your personal life, your family, your household, where would you rank your relationship with Christ, your faith? Where would you rank that? How high of a priority is it in your family? If you don't know, ask yourself these questions. This comes out of a priorities talk from the walk to Emmaus. Where do you spend your money? What, where do you spend your time? What do you think about? What do you talk about? These things tell you what your priorities are. And where is your relationship with Christ on that list? And I know the honest answer is many of us, the, the Christ, the priority it takes, when it comes time to shave something because of time or money or something else, it's usually church or Jesus. It's usually the first thing to go after school and sports and activities. Kevin Watson said he was amazed that a, a pastor had told him, he goes, I'm finding out after school and activities, social events and business, and all, he listed all these things, that church is the last place people will venture out. And I thought that was amazing. So where is the priority? Well, too often we're like the little kid that uh, I heard this illustration a long time ago. And it talked about his grandma giving two nickels for ice cream. But for inflation, it was two silver dollars. Okay. So the grandma gave him two silver dollars for ice cream. One, as he was going to church with his parents, said, yeah, this is for, for your, you and for your ice cream. This is for the church and this is for God. And as he was walking in, he was skipping over a bridge, and one of the silver dollars fell. And it went down the grate, and he lost it. He said, whoops, there goes God's silver dollar. <laughs> right? 
Are we not the same in our time, in our stewardship? I'm, this is up to you. I'm not saying nothing. It's between you and God. I don't know your individual situation. You might score 100. But how did you do? How are we living as disciples? Because the truth is, we can't make disciples unless we are being disciples. I think that's a lot of our problem when we have these revelations. We have to be disciples. We can't make people something we're not. And so as we emerge, as we come out, let's have a fresh start in our discipleship. You know, the old saying, you've heard this before, that when you're on an airplane, they tell you, make sure you get your own mask situated before you help somebody else. And so we're, we, I had this picture of the, my mask being all sideways and cockeyed on my head, and I'm over here trying to help somebody. I, we got to get this straightened out first. And I think, you know, God is all about fresh starts. If you're feeling convicted, like maybe I was in some areas about this, if you're feeling convicted, don't mope or pout about it. Let it motivate you. God's, God, if, I haven't, if you haven't realized this before my preaching, God knows you're going to mess up. Right? God knows you're going to backslide from time to time. So don't feel shocked and guilty. God knows. God's all about fresh starts. God's all about emerging fresh. So let's take this opportunity to examine our hearts, to emerge out of this with a new fire, a new desire to spread the gospel of Christ, to make disciples, to witness. And you know a good place to start? With one that we often don't say it all. If we say it at all, we downplay it, is repentance and forgiveness. Remember that on the chart? You, don't, you hear a lot of the others. You'll hear in discipleship programs a lot of the others. But Luke's commission says, maybe it's time for us to start bringing in Luke's commission. Let's say it with Matthew's great commission. So we know what we're talking about when we're talking about discipleship. It says preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. That is the core of the gospel. And that's the core of what brings us back when we've grown distant. We repent and receive forgiveness and continue on. But we, I think that's where we start in our discipleship. Repentance. We don't focus on that enough. And you know what? If we don't repent, if we don't clean stuff up, the good stuff's not going to stick. If you see my car out there I'm driving, it's my son's car. It's an old beat-up Chevy Cruze. He's in IT. He fancies himself a mechanic. And he was having trouble with the windows, and, and they broke. And now they don't work at all. And if they're not taped up, they will fall down. And I think I shared with you, he had a baby in October, and I will put in a plug, very proud of him. He has just accepted a new IT job because he has worked on these certs for years and years, and now it's paying off, and so I might get my truck back soon. But anyway, 
But he had a baby. I said, you can't drive around that baby in that car, and I'll give him props. He wasn't trying to live above his means. He just taped the windows up and went. But all right, so to the point, every now and then, that black tape on those windows begins to fade, and I begin to hear this rushing wind. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not that song. <laughs> this rushing wind coming through the windows. I said, it's time to tape it back up. But you know what I got to do? I got to scrape the old stuff off, or it, the new stuff won't stick. And that's what we got to do. We got to focus back on repentance. That's how we start over. That's how we stay fresh. Every now and then we got to retape the windows and we got to take it and we got to scrape the old stuff off. And so what we're doing as disciples, we're saying, hey, here's new stuff, here's new stuff. And we all have this junk and this old stuff sticking on and the new stuff won't stick. So we're going to, as a church, and I want you individually to focus on repentance more. Because that's the way we clean off the old junk. We, we, we make the surface of our hearts clean so the new stuff will stick. I want us to be sticky Christians. But in order to do that, we got to clean off the old surface of our heart. And that's not a one-time process because it builds up over time. Builds up over time. And so every now and then, and it's best maintenance to keep it clean, to continue, to get rid of that old stuff that's going to prevent the new stuff from sticking. I don't know about you. For me, that's a daily practice. Daily practice. And I notice when I, after I repent and I ask God to forgive me for those that I might have heard or the things I might have said or the attitude I might have had that day. When I start entering in the means of grace, worship, scripture, reading, prayer service, when I start with a clean, fresh surface on my heart, so much more sticks. So as we emerge, we're not going to fix it all in one day, but as we emerge, let's vow to say, I'm going to emerge with repentance and forgiveness. So that this discipleship stuff, this transformation in our lives and in our hearts, that it will stick. Repent and receive forgiveness so that we can be sticky Christians. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy that is ever new. The Lord that continues to wash us and continues to cleanse us as the junk, the anxieties, the fear, the stress, the worries, the want of this world piles up on our hearts. Lord, you have given us a way to clean the surface of our hearts so your love and your truth, your grace, your mercy would stick. So Lord, we come before you now as we go to your holy sacrament of communion. Lord, we take a few moments to reflect in our hearts those things we need to give to you, the hurts we might have caused, the harm we might have caused, the sin that we're struggling with. Lord, hear our hearts as we give to you and repent in your presence.
Lord, I pray that you would make for these elements be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we might be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.